I welcome you as well as Church Online. Thank you for being here. Pastor Jonathan and Danae has taken a weekend off, so I'll be speaking today. If you're new to Westover, uh, thank you for being here today. We have a guest card in the brochure rack in front of you. You can also see the QR code. We'd, we'd love to have record of your visit. We will, we will not misuse the information. And afterwards, I'm gonna be in Guest Central. We, it's just as you walk out these back doors, it'll be to the left. You'll see a, a, a little area there, side room there that's opened in the hallway, Guest Central. I'd love to greet you and meet you personally there last uh, after service. I met a young man there last night. He said, this is my first time in a church. He said, I, can you tell me more about this thing? So I sat down with him and began to talk with him. Found out that he's been on a journey with God. I said, would you like to know Christ as your savior? I explained, he said, yes, I think I would. I prayed with him. Everyone else had cleared out the hallway was somewhat empty. And when he lifted his head, there were tears in his eye. Can I tell you, it became an altar last night. So guess Central did, yes. Well, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to join me in the Gospel of Matthew chapter number 11. I would like to speak on the subject, take it on. The phrase take it on is the antithesis of quitting. It's the opposite of giving up. If something's telling you to let go, can I say God wants you to know to take it on? And God's message to us often goes into our emotional and spiritual spam folder. How does it get there? Because frequently we doubt that God can do it for us. Then we doubt ourselves. We doubt that we can make it happen or we get discouraged. I wanna push through that and deposit in our hearts today. There is something God has for you, for me. Take it on. Step into what God has. With that in mind, we're going to go to the Gospel of Matthew. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is going to give us a teaching. Matthew's Gospel was written to the Jews to convince them of the Messiahship of Jesus. And I'm going to look in chapter 11, verse number 28 and following. And my title is actually right in the text today. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Note, note verse 29, take my yoke upon you. There it is. Take it on. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest to your souls. My, my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Here Jesus is giving us an instruction. And Jesus is emphasizing he has something for us and our first pushback typically with God is, it's too hard, it's impossible, I can't do it, God won't do it for me. You, we downsize our spiritual possibility, but Jesus comes in and he dispels all of those reluctance and he said, you can do it, you can take it upon you because my burden is easy. My yoke is not burdensome upon you. Now, most people, when they teach from these verses, will emphasize the come unto me. 
But the emphasis of the verse is not come unto me. The emphasis is come unto me so you can take it upon you. Now I'm glad you came to church today. Church online, I'm glad you're you're connecting with us. I'm glad you're a part of this experience. I'm glad you came. But coming alone does not bring transformation. And, and that's, the, that's, the, that's the mistake we make. Well, I'll just go to church and all of us have come to church meaning well. But we step back into our life and we step back into our complexity, our problem, our habits, and nothing changes in our life. Why? Because we came but didn't take upon us. How, how can I illustrate this? Well, I'm going to ask Jaden to help me. I ask a high schooler to come help me illustrate this today. The, the, difference, between, the difference between come and take. Now, this is Jaden. Jaden, I'm glad you're part of this. Man, look at that hair. Look at that hair. I think I would look cool like that, don't you? Now, Jaden, you're in high school. Yeah? You have a girlfriend? Are you looking? No. No, that was a pause. He's looking. Church online, let's just get a profile right here. He may be shopping, okay? There's some potential here. Look in the balcony as well. But let's just say hypothetically, Jaden has a, has a girlfriend or a prospective girlfriend, and he's saying, I would really like to, to take her to do ice cream afterwards or go down to Starbucks down the street and, and we could share a cake pop together. Can you imagine both of our lips coming and nibbling on that st same stick together? That sounds like a real romantic experience. But pastor, I don't have the money. Pastor, would you lend me $20? Absolutely, buddy. I can help you out. Now, Jaden, you're closer to this $20 bill now than you were down there, right? You're closer, but you still don't have it. You, as close as he is, he can't buy that prospective young lady some hot chocolate or one of those mocha enchilada frappuccino things that they sell at, at, at Starbucks. He, he can't get one of those yet, right? Because it doesn't matter if he comes, he can't. He can't secure anything until he takes. Thank you, buddy. You can have a seat. Many of us, we come, but we don't take. And you know why? You know why you don't take? Is you think it's too hard. You think that God's way is too hard. And Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me for it's, it's easy, it's light, and your life will be better. Now, what does this yoke mean? There's going to be a picture they're going to bring up on the screen to illustrate it. A yoke was a piece of timber that would be carried across the shoulders and on either end on a piece of rope, they would tie material, water, uh, perhaps grain, building materials, and the person would carry it. And the interesting thing about a yoke, you can't take half the yoke upon you. You can't take half the yoke upon you. You can't go halfway. And the imagery is absolutely correct. Jesus said, you have to take it upon you. You can't just kind of. In fact, if somebody picked up just half of the load, it would, it would be in balance and be even more difficult. It would become clumsy. It's designed that you have to take it upon you. God has a plan for your life. 
God has something for your life that will fit, that makes everything work in your career, your business, your family, your future. God has this perfect plan in your life. And God is saying, do, my, do life my way, take it upon you. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to receive. And we say it's too hard and too heavy. And God says, what you don't know is actually gets easier. Life gets easier when you do life God's way. Life gets easier when you do life God's way. And I've learned in life that halfway is heavier. I've learned that halfway is heavier. To halfway serve God. To halfway commit to the Lord. To halfway be in church. To halfway do something with God. Just, you know, to bargain with God. We've all done it at some time. We want to make it transactional. God, you give me and I give you a little bit. We want to make it transactional. And Jesus is saying, you've got to take it upon you. And all of our argument, our pushback, and our emotional consternation on how hard it is. And Jesus is saying, if you'll just learn of me, if you'll just learn God's way, it works. If you'll just learn <laughs> God's pattern, God's purpose in your life, it just works. And halfway doesn't work. And there's some of us, we're trying to do it halfway. We're in church, but we're trying to halfway do Christian family. Now, through the week, we do it our way. And we bring the way we were raised and the abruptness and the harshness and the machoism or the defensiveness and the, and the personality lives in the family all week long, lives in business all week long, lives at the workplace all week long. We go into that mode. And we haven't allowed God's character and nature to be appropriate. We haven't learned it. And we're trying to do it halfway. And most of our prayer life is characterized by God rescue me and God help me and God heal me from all the problems of my life. Why? It's a halfway life. Halfway is heavier. Do you know it's harder to halfway tie than it is to tithe all the way? Yeah. To, you know, some people give a little bit to God occasionally and some of us, we just tithe the 10% and honor God. It's actually more difficult to halfway tithe than it is to give the full 10%. Why? Because there's no blessing until you get to the 10%. It doesn't get easy. It doesn't get light. God said, bring the whole tithe to the storehouse and I will open windows of heaven. Some of us halfway give to God and the windows of heaven and blessing haven't opened. Why? You can't do it halfway. I was flying overseas and I was in an airport and I went to a vending machine in the airport and I wanted a bottle of water. And I went to the uh, vending machines, $2. They had Fanta orange, they had Pepsi and they had bottled water and it was $2 and I put a dollar in. And guess what? I didn't get half a bottle of water. <laughs> you would think if I could put a dollar in, it ought to give me half of my water, right? No, it doesn't work that way. I have to put in both dollars then the bottled water fell down. And here it is with God. Some of us are wanting the blessing. Some of us are wanting the best. And God says, it doesn't happen until you take it on. Take it upon it. You fully obey, fully appropriate God's best in your life. And then you find the blessing. And I want to share with us quickly what I'm going to call three take it on challenges if I get to all three. Number one, you have to believe positively. 
you have to believe positive. We call ourselves believers. Believers. And I'm speaking to believers and I'm inviting believers to believe positively. Some of us, some of us, our belief has been poisoned with disbelief. Words and language like this falls into our faith somewhat, fairly, slightly, a little, perhaps, maybe, we are, we're somewhat off and on with our belief. I'm inviting us to not just believe, but to believe positively. I'll tell you, opportunity does not always knock, but belief knocks and holds on for God's best regardless. And some of us fall into their gradation. There's this continuum of, of disbelief. We, we get discouraged. It's a form of disbelief, yes. And then we stoop down into reluctance. You go from reluctance, you'll find yourself in trepidation, a little bit of fear. And then you go to neutrality, probably the most dangerous place to be, neutral. Yeah, a challenge comes, God tells you, and you're neutral on it because the next step beyond neutrality is indifference. If Jesus was to come back right now to planet Earth and was invited to do a TED Talk on the gospel and said, Jesus, we're gonna give you, we're gonna give you 10 minutes in a TED Talk and talk to people about the gospel, bring it down, and, and just summons people. What would his subject be? Could it be, I think, maybe the danger of neutrality? Yes. The danger of neutrality. When we hear the word, we, 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 we read it and we say we believe it, but we don't act upon it. We have a mental connection with it, but there's not a heart action. We're not, we're not putting feet to it. We don't step into it. We're not believing positively. And I'm here to say that he wants us to take upon us to believe positively for what God could do. It's our nature to give God spare time, spare change, and the spare parts of our life. And he wants it all. He wants it all. And there are times we just got to believe positively. And I believe God's awakening somebody's faith. You, you set aside your degree. You got distracted. You went to two sessions of counseling. You didn't follow all the way through. And things are not right. And things are not what they should be. And the burden feels heavy. Why? Because you're trying to do it halfway. I'm inviting you, take it upon you. Believe positively. Back in the 80s and in the early 90s, one of the great gospel writers, gospel songwriters, worship leaders across the planet, Darlene Check. Little before some of your time, but she wrote and and she championed the song, Shout to the Lord. That, that became, that was sung worldwide. There was another song that she wrote in that time and was singing. It's entitled, In the Name of Jesus. Occasionally I go to it still on my, 
on my, my playlist because it just speaks to my heart. God is fighting for us. He is overcome. We will not be shaken. We will not be moved. And when she did that song for production purpose and it went out in its recording spontaneously, words that were not written in the song, she spontaneously said them and you can get them in the recording because it went out in the, the, the live recording that, was, that Alvin went out on. She just spontaneously said in the song, I hate cancer. It wasn't written in the lyrics of the song. But just a few years ago, Darlene Check was diagnosed with cancer. And I was listening to her interview. And she said, little did I know back when I wrote that song and I sang it. She said, I didn't plan on singing. I was in the moment. And she said, almost prophetically, I announced, I hate cancer. And then I found myself in it. And she said, God took me back. And she said, I began to sing that same song again. I just had to believe positive. I had to believe what I sang to the nations God could do for me. What I declared and spoke over others, God could do for me. And she said, I had to latch on it. And she says, it was that song that got me through that dark season of my life. Sometimes you gotta believe positively. Have you ever talked to the devil? Did you ever just tell the devil, devil, you're not gonna win this one. Did you ever talk to the devil? I see some of you cowboy fans, you'll talk to the TV <laughs> when the cowboy, you're, you're coaching. I, 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 I see you cowboy fans, stand up. Yeah, you're talking, you're telling, you're telling Dak what to do and the referees and you're, you're talking to the, you're talking through to try to pull out a cowboy win. There are times in life you've got to just take this word and you've got to claim your win. You've got to say, I will not be shaken. You need to believe positively. Number two, you need to care consistently care consistently because the heart I often tell people the heart is the compass of the soul yes the heart is the compass of the soul and many of us and you're doing the right thing you're making decisions based upon knowledge oh I know this is a good company to work for great some of us make decisions based upon wisdom you've done your research you hired the right person. You made the right investment. That is great. That's a good way to make a decision. But sometimes we make decisions based upon compassion. And sometimes we can allow knowledge and information to talk our heart out of doing what is right. Care consistently. Who was it? Winnie the Pooh says, when you care too much, it's called love. Yeah. Yes. Here a while back, I was in the TV room watching TV. And Denise, my wife, she came in and she started talking to me and I said, shh. 
Yeah. She bowed on. She said, don't you tell me. Shh. I instantly watched her demeanor changed. Have you ever seen the incredible Hulk go through his... Have you ever seen that moment? Trans- My wife was... I, I saw... I saw a little flare of green come into her. Tender, I, I saw it. I saw it. Yeah, don't you tell me. Shh. At that time, when she mistakenly thought I was being uncaring, <laughs> that was not a good time to say, would you please make me some enchiladas? <laughs> That's not the time. No. When caring, perception of caring goes down, can I tell you? Even God withdraws his heart. But let me get back to my story. She came in and said, she said, don't tell me, shh. But what Denise did not understand, she misinterpreted that I was being uncaring. For men, shh does not mean shut up, does not mean hush, does not mean we don't want to hear you. Ladies, shh is a shortened form of sweetheart yes guys is that right is is that right guys it was it was the shortened form of sweetheart and here's what I was saying sweetheart if you will let me finish watching this game, it's not that the game is more important than you. I am learning how to become a better husband in this game. And when I get through watching this football game, I would love to share with you how I want to be a better husband and I want to hear from you. But she, she misunderstood. What did he do? <laughs> I'm going to preach to this side, okay? <laughs> Care consistently. <clears throat> I'm going to invite the keyboard player to come out. Caring. Caring allows us to hear from God. When we are not in a place where we're caring, we shut off. We don't care for the things God cares for. We don't take upon ours, self, what God cares about. We can't pick and choose, God, this is what I care about. He said, no. When we pray the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, we take upon us what God cares for. And some of us have unintentionally been distracted and we have been sucked into this caring only about ourselves we have become the center of the universe and that is a black hole of selfishness and sadness and self-absorption that will just suck the life out of us and I'm inviting us today to shed that and open your heart and say, God, I want to care about what you care about. I want to care about what's close to your heart. To realign your heart today 
to say to God, God, I want to be careful. Two words. Careful. Does that describe you? Jesus is saying, take this upon you. And when you do, life gets easier. Would you stand together with me? As we go into this prayer moment, I have full confidence in the efficacy of the Holy Spirit that right now God is touching people and tapping people on the shoulder and you've set aside and you've, you've, you've set some kingdom things on the back burner and God is saying, bring it to the front burner, to the priority in your life. But you're saying, I, it's hard and I can't and I've got other things and here's the promise of Jesus. It actually gets easier. Life gets better when we do things God's way. And I cannot help but believe, men, the Holy Spirit might be tapping us on the shoulder. And there's a silent tug in the heart. The tug of the heart is the voice of God. And he's saying, there's something that we need to realign. We need to care about the things that God cares about. Let's pray. Father, today, I just invite the Holy Spirit to do his work. I believe our hearts and minds have been enlightened, but we need more than enlightenment. I pray, God, you'll cause the heart to be moved. And that men, that we as believers will make that quality decision to let our hearts and life be touched by the things that touch God. We give you permission, Holy Spirit, to disturb us. And we're in that season where a lot is on hold and we keep saying at the beginning of the year, we're just kind of, we're kind of in this holiday time, but in this holiday time, God, make it a holy time. I pray there's a recalibration. Somebody needs to enroll back in school starting in January. Yes, somebody needs to get back into counseling. Somebody needs to get back into the things of the kingdom. Somebody needs to get back in a life group. Somebody needs to to bring their heart at being so jaded. Someone needs, to get, someone needs to get off social media and the tit for tat insult and raging on social media has hardened their heart. And God, I pray in the name of the Lord, turn their heart back to you. Turn their heart back to you. Holy Spirit, you have permission. Deal with our hearts. And I ask this in the name of Jesus, amen.